Welcome to Gerard and Christine Live Life, a podcast dedicated to help motivate, inspire and encourage individuals from all walks of life to become a better version of themselves than what they were yesterday and to ultimately live a happy life. You can find us on all major social media networks like Facebook, Instagram and Strava. You can also search for Gerard and Christine Live Life on iTunes and Spotify. I hope you guys enjoy the next episode and always remember to live life. Good day everyone, I hope you guys have been living life. Um, If you listened to last week's episode, you would have noticed that we've reached uh, episode 30. Um, That's quite a milestone, it feels like uh, yesterday that the first episode started, so um, it's quite nice to to have reached episode 30. Um, This week we're heading over to episode 31 with a very, very inspirational and interesting character. His name is Ryan Stramrud. And he's an inspirational speaker and extreme swimmer. This guy has done some awesome stuff. Um, Some of it includes 101 Robben Island crossings. He's also done a solo swim across the English Channel. And he swam the first official ice mile in minus 1 degree Celsius water. So these are just some of the stuff that he's been up to over the last couple of years. And uh, yeah, Christine had a very awesome interview with him that um, I can't listen I can't wait for you guys to give it a listen but before we head on over to the episode I would just like to thank our partners again truly good food body evolution meals epic sports nutrition keto sports nutrition the milk nut company fit patches organic guru and Baxter's and there's also a new partner that came on board Asijiki they do like salt and pepper and a couple of other types of seasoning as well as coconut oil. Um, so yeah, look out on our social media pages for updates on their products um, as and when we use them. So yeah, without any further ado, let's head on over to the episode. Hope you guys enjoy it. Hi Ryan, and welcome to the Gerard and Christine Live Life podcast. It's great to have you with us today. Good morning. Good morning to all your listeners too. Ryan, so you are a, a fascinating individual with um, a very interesting story. And we're looking forward to spending the next 20 or 30 minutes chatting to you. But before we get started and and find out a bit more um, about your your ice swimming and your open water swimming, can you tell us a bit about yourself, who you are, where you're from, and also to finish off how you actually got involved in open water swimming? Yeah, with pleasure. So I'm I'm a complete uh, ordinary Joe with all the, the, the bonds and bills and stresses that everybody else has. Um, it's just my hobby happens to be a little bit different and it's taken me on quite an incredible journey, uh, you know, to some of the most inhospitable places on this planet, pushing different boundaries. But, um, I'm a single dad. I live in Cape Town. Um, I have a beautiful little boy, eight years old, and I actually run an advertising business, an advertising sales house called Stranroot Connect. That's what keeps me most busy. And more recently, I've started telling my story that I, you know, things I've, I've learned from the ice and the open water. And that's, uh, you know, that's positioned me, I suppose, as an inspirational speaker, which I'm standing in front of many, many people now around the world sharing a story, which um, is a different part of my life and one I'm enjoying quite a lot. Um, so how did I get into open water swimming? Um, you know what? I was sitting on the couch um, getting fat and lazy about uh, probably 20 years ago now, mm-hmm. loving the remote control and um, <laughs> just knew somewhere deep inside I needed to make a change. And I took a client away on a, on a business trip 
And he said to me, well, why don't you join this little swimming squad that he was part of? And I thought, ah, you know what, I've always enjoyed swimming a little bit, um, so let me give it a go. And I got off the couch and I got into the pool early in the morning at a little swimming squad with a coach called Gary Freeling, who I can tell you is still my coach now, um, 18 years later. Oh, wow. And managed about 20 lengths, which I think is what, that's half a K. Yes. And I really wanted to vomit, I was so unfit. Um, <laughs> But for the first time in my life, I actually stuck to it. You know, you meet some people there on your first session and you, you see guys that just amaze you that they can swim so fast and hard. And it starts a journey. Eventually, someone says, hey, Ryan, why don't you try and swim from Robben Island to Bloberg Beach? And I remember someone mentioning that to me, a guy called Tony Selmayer. And it was the most ridiculous suggestion I'd ever heard. You know, I still remember it very clearly. I mean, how, <laughs> how on earth do you expect me to swim from Robben Island in a Speedo in that cold water for seven and a half kilometers? I and mean, it was just something that was impossible and completely out of my frame of reference. And, uh, um, you know, not, not, not something that I thought I was capable of. And long story short, I, I was eventually um, convinced to set it as a goal. And a couple of months later, made an attempt and succeeded. And that started this fascinating journey. Oh, wow. And, I mean, what was your first experience like? I mean, and what sort of training did you do for that? Well, first and foremost, you've got to get fit. So, kind of rule of thumb that I was told at the time, and I still stick to it to this day, that if you're going to try a seven and a half kilometer swim, um, the very basic rule of thumb is you need to be swimming seven and a half kilometers a week regularly for quite a long time. But then you throw in a lot of other variables um, that you get out in the ocean. Um, first and foremost, the cold water. So mm. the Robben Island crossing specifically is not about the distance that you can train for and get yourself fit for. It's the cold water. So you, you're not in a wetsuit. You don't have any grease or anything. You're just in your speedo. The water ranges between about 10 degrees um, and on a very good day up to 16 degrees um celsius so it's it's pretty cold and you're going to be in the water for a long time so you need to get to, to train you need to get in cold water I, you know i'm lucky living in cape town i go down to camps bay or clifton and uh, spend some time and start to understand how your body reacts how your mind protects you from that cold and uh, get yourself fit and um you know start uh, start training just like that and also understanding if you do all your training in a pool with lane ropes and a black line at the bottom and you can stop every 25 <laughs> meters, yeah. you're going to come very unstuck when you jump into the ocean, um, you know, with waves and chop and things that sting you and psychological things swimming below you and real things swimming below you and currents and winds and, and everything, you know, you, so you, you, you got to kind of combine that all and try and simulate it as best you can in your training, whatever your circumstances are. And did your nutrition change at all? I mean, you mentioned that you were overweight beforehand. Did all, has all of this also changed your lifestyle in terms of your nutrition as well? It has to a degree. Um, when I, you know, as, as this journey carried on for me, I started setting much bigger and uh, more demanding challenges. Uh, and that kind of forced me to get very serious about my nutrition and what I put in. Because we all know what you put in is what you get out. But mm. I'm certainly not going to claim any moral high ground um, <laughs> in terms of being the healthiest eater on this planet. I, um, I train very hard and I play very hard. So I eat what I want. Um, but it has forced me to, to savvy up. Um, so I know when I'm eating something bad and I know when I'm eating something good. And I know uh, when I've got a challenge coming up, if I'm eating 
bad stuff, I'm going to be putting myself as a disadvantage. Yes, okay. Ryan, and I mean, I mentioned earlier in my introduction about you, about some of the accomplishments and some of the swims that you've done. But to date, what is one of the toughest swims that you've done? And how did you overcome the adverse conditions, um, finish the race or, or take on that challenge, um, despite how tough it actually was? Uh, you know, swimming is an amazing sport, and it's probably the same for, for any in, endurance event. Um, but I think in the in the open water, there are so many different variables. So you can take a swim that is not meant to be difficult at all. It's fairly standard for, for my level. Um, I shouldn't have any problem. And then all of a sudden, the weather or a current or something happens out there that makes it your most challenging swim. But that, that said, there... Again, there are other factors. I've got two swims that completely stand out for me. In fact, there are three, but I'll, I'll stick to the two for now. One is the, the English Channel. When I attempted to swim from Dover in the UK across to France, so it's approximately, as the crow flies, it's about 35 kilometers. Mm -hmm. I ended up swimming um, 41 kilometers in cold water. Um, it was It's a beast of a swim there, hectic currents. Mm. Um and, you know, the, 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 as I said, the, the water is cold and I had spent a lot of time trying to choose the right day, studying the weather charts and getting everything perfect. And, of course, that went hopelessly wrong. And about five hours into a 13-hour swim, um, you know, the, the weather turned horrible. Mm. Um, so I swam for about, uh, what, about eight hours in really, really rough, difficult conditions where even the relay teams on the day that were making the attempt pull out Wow. And it was a huge psychological and physical victory for me to actually make it to France and walk out on that French beach and, you know, and, and not pull, pull out. And, and um, you know, it started a, a brilliant journey for me. The stuff happened in the middle of that swim where I had to find a, a, a site to change gear, essentially. So my body was empty and the tank was absolutely empty. I'd hit the wall. Um, and, and anyone who knows anything about sport, when you hit the wall, that's, that's kind of the end of your whatever challenge you're doing. Mm -hmm. um, when you are in the middle of the English Channel, you've been swimming for nine hours already and the, the weather has gone horrible, you're freezing cold and it's, it's getting dark, um, and then you hit the wall, it's quite traumatic. Um, and mm -hmm. for the first time in my life, I actually, due to a number of circumstances, I completely changed gear and uh, went from body to mind. And it, you know, for, mm -hmm. for the last four or five hours of that swim, it was purely mental, mental grit mental toughness and mental resilience stroke by stroke second by second mm. and then it pulled me across so and, th and that taught me so much about myself so much about what us humans are capable of so much about the human mind and how i mean it's this gateway to absolute greatness and it's 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 incredible but just how limiting it is, this gateway to greatness is actually our biggest limitation. It's designed to keep you safe. It's designed to make you believe in your limitations so you don't push yourself too far. Once you understand that, once you look that in the eye and you, you, you faced it and you've experienced it firsthand, you start to understand it a bit better and you realize that there's a lot of magic on the other side of where your mind tells you the end point is. So that's a long answer to swim number one. Yes. Um, the swim that completely stands out was uh, on when I started to get into the genre of ice water swimming. Mm -hmm. um, so I think I mentioned earlier that the, the cold has this profound impact on the human, um, on the human body, but more importantly on the mind. So the cold implements this pain, panic, this fear, this hyperventilation, 
um, that, that spins in your head and, and uh, you know, makes it very clear that you need to get out of the cold water quickly, otherwise you will die. And that's an, that's an absolute fact. Mm. But um, what I've learned is where your mind tells you you're going to die is not where you're going to die. You, you've got a lot of margin uh, before that happens. Um, and once you're brave enough to dabble with that, you start to realize a lot of stuff about you, yourself. And while your head is implementing all these defense mechanisms to get you out, your body starts to implement its own defense mechanism so you know the blood rushes from all your extremities from your from your thighs not, not just toes and fingers i'm talking like calves and thighs and biceps mm. all your blood rushes out of those muscles and goes to sit in your center core because that the, the theory is you can live without arms and legs but you can't live without a heart that's pumping blood to your brain so the warm blood drains out of all your extremities and it sits in your center core to keep you warm um so your body, your legs and your arms and your biceps, which are now meant to be pulling you across whatever swim it is, um, lose all coordination and lose all power because they've got no blood and no oxygen to feed them. Yeah. Um, so anyway, long story short, I started getting fascinated, fascinated about this process um, and how brutal it was and how powerful the mind is to convince you, uh, you know, that, that your time is a lot less than, than it is. And a few of us started to extend our times in these silly circumstances mm. and uh, eventually it led on, on a, an amazing journey which I tell in my talks it took me right to Antarctica where I wanted to try and be the first guy in the world to swim an official ice mile south of the Antarctic Circle um, and you know it's, it's a I can write a book just about that particular swim but eventually uh, we made an attempt and where we decided to swim which which wasn't a, a voluntary thing mm. um, was we had um, minus one degree water, wow. which was quite brutal. Mm. Yeah, um, and that and that obviously stands out as an extremely difficult swim. Excuse the alarm that's going off. Everybody trying to. <laughs> no problem. It's not. It's not mine. It's next door. <laughs> <laughs> as long as you say. Yeah, I'm all good. Um. Yes, yeah, so, so the, the Antarctica swim uh, attempted a one mile in minus one degree water um, where you should be able to survive about 10 minutes before, mm. your, um, before everything kind of collapses and your, your muscles can't function at all anymore. Um, and I survived and finished that swim in 32 minutes. Wow. Um, remember, it might not sound that impressive, but mm. you know, every second is, is brutal. Um, and dangerous and deadly. Uh, so it was a very nerve-wracking thing and a, and a, a, a crazy experience um, and one that taught me the most lessons about myself and, and uh, what we're capable of. And do you, do you get lonely swimming? I mean, that was 32 minutes, but I mean, eight or nine hours swimming, do you get lonely? And do you have some sort of personal mantra that you, that you say to yourself um, when you do get lonely? Well, yeah, I know why you're asking that. I mean, it, it's um, swimming is very, very solitary. I mean, you, you're inside your own head. And I think some of that, you know, if, you, if again, if any of your listeners um, do endurance sports, we all know it's about the mind. And when the mind is occupied um, and, and stimulated elsewhere, uh, things become a little bit easier. You forget a little bit about the pain. When you're swimming, it is just you and the cold and the salt that is chafing you and the scary things below and the things you're bumping into and the things that are stinging you. Um, it, it's really horrible. It's very, very easy to become negative and to look for reasons why you should get out, why you should quit rather for reasons why you should extend your stay. 
but I, you know, your question of do I get lonely? No, I've never, never been lonely. I think primarily because whenever I do a long swim, mm-hmm. um, that that is out in the open ocean, I always have a boat alongside me. Yes, and that's very important. So you'll have you're not allowed to touch the boat, but you know you still have to feed. So every half an hour you stop and they throw you whatever you you want to eat or drink. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so so I mean, there's always there's always company, but you don't get to talk, you don't get to communicate. Um, but usually, when when I'm doing a big challenge, you're so focused and you're so nervous that boredom doesn't factor at all. Yes. Um, you know, boredom for me happens when I'm trying to do a seven k pull set <laughs> up backwards and forwards, two hundred and eighty lengths in in a boiling hot virgin active swimming pool. Um, that I find very very difficult whereas I will go before work I go to in, in summer when it's a bit lighter I go out to Robin Island um, early I get to the island just before 6 a.m. Mm-hmm. Um, I get a lift over there with a little uh, zodiac rubber duck and I climb out on Robin Island I swim back to Bloberg Beach and I walk out usually around 8 a.m. and I'm in the office before 9 um, so there's a seven and a half k swim in those circumstances which is certainly not boring yes I can imagine and you mentioned life lessons and lessons about yourself that you've learned. What stands out for you? Which lessons do you find most significant that you can share that perhaps our listeners will be inspired by? Well, I've, I've mentioned it before, but let me elaborate a, a little bit. So first and foremost, um, what I do quite a lot to, to get across on, in my talks is that I, I am absolutely, completely average. I get it quite often when people come to me and say, oh, you must have an ability to to self-warm your center core or, you know, there are people who are meant to be able to do this. I, I don't know how to do that. I'm absolutely average, yet I've done stuff pushed human boundaries, rewritten some medical journals mm-hmm. um, as to what's possible. And I'm, I'm a complete average guy. Um, so what have I learned? And it's been a journey. I didn't wake up one day and jump into ice water. Um, I, I have learned a lot about the power of the mind. And to, to be frank, how the mind, this, this powerhouse, holds us back. Mm-hmm. It's designed to make you believe in your own limitations. So, so let's use my English channel um, example again. When I was nine hours into that swim, which took me thirteen hours in the end. Remember, at the nine-hour mark, I had no idea that I, you know how long I had to go. But I hit the wall. I could not go on. It was absolutely impossible for me to take one more stroke. Mm. Okay, I could not feel it. My body was empty. Everything was lame. Yet somehow, I had changed gear, flicked a switch, whatever you want to call it, inside my head, and changed from body to mind. And I'd swum for nearly another five hours. Hmm. four hours rather, to get to France in horrible conditions in the pitch dark and in the freezing cold. Now, if I had pulled out of the English Channel on that nine-hour mark, after swimming for nine hours where the weather had turned terrible, I would not have beaten myself up too much. Why would I? Um, You know, I had trained for two years Mm. to to get to the English Channel. I had done everything that you need to do, which includes raising a lot of money because it's expensive um, to to live in Dover for a while in the UK. Um, I put the teams together. I had dedicated hours and hours and hours of of training. And I got to Dover, and you know what? The weather was terrible. The waves knocked everything out of me. Um, I would have pulled out being disappointed I didn't make it. But I wouldn't have beaten myself up too much because um, because I'd given my best. I'd given my all. Mm. And I would have come home saying, hey, guys, didn't happen. You 
know what, I'll try again, or maybe I won't. Now, that is what I've learned through many other swims as well, but that was where it started, where I learned just how governed we are mm-hmm. by these by our minds to make us believe in our own limitations because when you believe in them you don't challenge them and our minds are designed to keep us safe mm-hmm. okay so that's obviously safe from doing something stupid walking into a fire or falling off a cliff or you know that, that kind of thing but our minds have also evolved to keep us safe from the emotional pain that comes from failure yeah. you follow so when we fail there's a little bit of hurt and a little bit of emotional pain, which subconsciously we avoid. Um, and, and that's just absolutely human. So if you're going to try something new, you, you, you don't know the response that you're going to get and you might fail. And that is why this whole comfort zone thing is so big. is because humans operate within a comfort zone. If you step outside your comfort zone, you're experimenting with new and different behavior. And you're going to get new and different responses back from that behavior. And guess what? Sometimes those responses aren't positive, And sometimes it's an absolute mess up. But every single time you do it, you learn and you grow. And when you don't do it, you don't learn and you don't grow. And you stay in your comfort zone and you'll deliver maybe steady performance. Um, but... Um, you know, you, you, you're so limiting yourself. And every single human on this planet defaults to limit themselves to stay in that comfort zone. And that is what I learned there on the English Channel um, on that day, is just how governed we are by this thing that I would have been quite happy with that failure. But yet I didn't. For some reason, something triggered in me, largely because I had a really, really good support team, I suppose, who, mm. who, um, who, who pushed me on. And also I told a million people, that I was going to make this thing and a little bit of, of ego and testosterone factored in as well. Mm-hmm. And I managed, I managed to do it. And then, you know, when you, you get back to your hotel room many hours later, 2 a.m. in the morning, I'm sitting there thinking, you know what, what happened out there? It was impossible for me to carry on, for me to take one more stroke. I truly believe that, yet I'd swum for another four hours. Mm-hmm. So, so what, what exactly was that impossible that was in my head? And where else am I facing stuff that I believe is impossible or just hard to do. And instead of trying or making a plan, I rather veer away from it. And that's where it's changed my life completely because I look at all the, the challenges that, that uh, we face um, very differently now. Yes, I mean, that's totally true. Where we feel uncomfortable and where we feel overwhelmed, that's where the growth is actually happening and we, we are starting to adapt. Um, yeah and grow, but it's our choice often to choose to feel uncomfortable for a bit to get where we want to get to. Um, yeah. So a very, very well, significant you know, message. My, sorry, you know, as when I started doing the, the, the public speaking, you know, you, you kind of, I knew nothing. So I had to go to the 101 of what inspirational speakers are meant to do. And obviously you're meant to deliver a message. So I had to come up and my message is so simple, which I, I always say up front in my talks, first and foremost, if you don't get outside your comfort zone, you won't learn new stuff. Mm. You stop learning new stuff, you cannot grow. And when you stop growing, you are going to stagnate. You are going to get pushed over, especially in business. Mm. So it's as simple as that. Do what's comfortable, do what you know, and you will get by. But you are underachieving, uh, underachieving big time. That, that's an absolute guarantee. Yeah, definitely underliving life in general. Um, yeah. And Ryan, 
um, for like sort of your plans for the next year or two years? I mean, I understand for especially some of these longer challenges, there's a lot of training and preparation that goes into them. So what are your short and long-term plans um, for your open water swimming? Right now, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to say I'm in a bit of a holding pattern, which um, is, is nice. So I'm just ticking over and keeping myself fit without any huge pressure. For the last 15 odd years of my life, every single year, there's been some massive thing that I want to do or trying to sort out, and it's, it's all consuming and, and very tiring. Um, and obviously hugely rewarding whether you whether you succeed or fail. Um, I also attempted to swim the North Channel um, a year and a half ago, which is in very, very cold water from Ireland across to Scotland. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one of the most difficult swims ever. And, um, you know, the, the, the way it works, it's, you can almost compare it to summiting Everest. You know, if, you, if, you, if you're 100 meters away from the summit and there's bad weather coming in, you, you don't make, you don't try, you go down. Um, and when you try and do a swim, the equivalent of the English Channel or the North Channel, you get a week where the, the tides are the right strength or level or whatever um, cycle. And mm-hmm. in that week, you need to find a good day where the wind's not going to blow and the water's going to be flat. And when I went over to Ireland, um, unfortunately, the weather it was a terrible week. Um, so they sent me home. But being me, I didn't want to go home, and I, I fought with them until they eventually gave me a chance to swim. And I went on a very bad day, um, thinking I was totally bulletproof. Um, and about six and a half hours into a swim uh, in, in 12 degrees uh, Celsius in my speedo, um, I got what you call a swimming-induced pulmonary edema. So um, I'd swallowed so much salt water, and, and there was so much um, stuff happening. I was getting battered by the waves that it had caused a chemical upset in my body and my lungs started absorbing water. So essentially you're drowning sure. and it's very, very deadly. And, you know, the crew on the boat watching very attentively, just you're always going to act a bit strangely because you, you're operating in a hypothermic state, which is dangerous and, you know, limits your performance. So they just thought I was getting confused because of that. What they didn't realize was I was not getting no oxygen to my head because I was drowning. And I couldn't quite figure it out myself. But, you know, then you get all confused. Long story short, I, I very nearly died. Good. I mean, listening to our bodies, and I'm sure over over the years that you've been doing this, you know your body very well, and you quick to pick up on anything that's not that's not um, yeah. normal for you. Yeah, you, you've got to you've got to be careful, um, and I and I am, and I listen to my body, and uh, um, you know, it's certainly I'm, I'm I'm just I'm not saying I'm stopping, I'm just slowing down. But you know, there are also psychological aspects. Yeah, my son is now eight. Mm-hmm. Um, he's now a little human. You know, he's not a baby anymore. Um, and it makes it very hard to go do crazy stuff that's pushing uh, different boundaries, you know. So I'm I'm going to be focused more on pushing my own boundaries rather than trying to prove um, that that the medical journals are wrong. I've done that enough. Yes. And um, a motivational message for anyone out there that's possibly interested in getting involved in open water swimming now that they've heard your story. What advice can you give them and um, about how to get involved and then also about how to mentally tackle something something like open water swimming? Well, you know what, it depends on, on the level you're at, but you, you have to start at the beginning. If, if, you, if you're on the couch like I was, 
You've got to find a little swimming squad close to you. Find a group of people. That, that is the most important message. If you try and do it yourself, you think, oh, well, I'll just go to the gym and start swimming. That is boring and difficult beyond difficult. Mm -hmm. There are so many little swimming squads, usually at the gyms or privately. And you join those. There's always, let's say the pool's got six lanes. You, you, I hear a lot of people saying, oh, but I'm useless. I'm so unfit. I can't join a squad. I'll be terrible. The lanes are always divided up into unfit, fit, fast, slow, etc. So you'll always fit in. So I strongly recommend you give it a go. It's the best sport ever. And once you start getting yourself a little bit fit, if you're lucky enough to live near the ocean, Mm. Um, join a group, especially if you're in Cape Town. I invite you to come um, on a Sunday at 9 a.m. And we meet outside Cafe Caprice across the road. And a whole bunch of us just go for a really cool, mellow swim. Some wear wetsuits, some don't. And it's just a bit of fun in, in, in a group. So my, my message, I don't think it's very motivational, but my message is, is get involved. You, you got to, Your first step is getting off the couch and it's hard. Mm -hmm. You know, it's luckily swimming, you just got to buy a speedo and a pair of goggles and maybe a cap. Uh, it's, not, it's not like you have to go buy the 50,000 rand mountain bike um, and all the, all the gear that goes with it. So it's very easy. And you might need a towel too. <laughs> just take one. Well, um, so it's very easy to get into. And maybe I haven't painted the best picture, but what I do is, is pretty extreme. And I don't for a second encourage anyone to do that. You, you can and you'll find a journey. Mm. Um, but get involved in open water swimming. You know, if again, if you live in the right area, it's free and it is absolutely stunning. Now, everyone who's listening is, well, I would, I would imagine a large percentage are thinking, ooh, but what about sharks? Now, let me tell you this. <laughs> I've, done, I've spent more hours in this ocean than most humans will ever in an entire lifetime. I've done 101 Robben Island crossings from Robben Island to the mainland and around the island and wherever. How many sharks have I seen? Not one. <laughs> you see, so yeah. Get, get sharks out of your head. It's not an issue. If you get bitten by a shark, then that night play the lotter because <laughs> <laughs> the odds are the odds are very slim but you know what that said it still freaks me out you know when when you're swimming and you're looking down at the deep and something darts below you 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 know you get that little jolt of a fright so i do understand the fear um but um it is an irrational fear believe it or not so i say get involved um and i would love everybody if i need to give a, a, a motivational message whether it's swimming or whatever is to start a journey with yourself, whatever level you're at, just to push a little bit past what you believe is impossible. So not, you know, push past impossible is, is kind of my, my payoff line. That's not anybody else's impossible, it's yours. Mm -hmm. Find those little things that you believe are impossible that have just shaped you and, and, and perhaps um, even psych, uh, subconsciously kept you inside a comfort zone, kept you from trying, kept you from taking that next step, kept you from learning because you're scared you're going to fail and their consequences for failure. Put some plans in place and give it a go. Look it in the eye. Uh, you know, face those little impossibles. And one by one, um, when you do that, life starts to change. And it's, uh, it's always for the positive. You'll always learn. If you don't succeed, I promise you, you've learned something. And, and humans, that's all we really have. Thank you, Ryan. That's um, tremendously profound. And, um, you know, I've had to kind of, while we're chatting, sort of, shift some of my perspectives on some of the things that I've been avoiding out of fear or out of the fear of failure, perhaps. So thank you so much for your message and um, enjoy the time, not time off, but enjoy some of the downtime, perhaps with your son, especially. And um, we look forward to 
watching your progress in the years to come. And um, thank you. Thank you for spending time with us today. Uh, such a pleasure. And if you, you want to follow, because there, will, there are some exciting things that are coming up, which I, I can't uh, exactly uh, broadcast just yet. But find me. It's Ryan Stramroot. Find me on Facebook. Find my, my swimming page, not my personal page. You don't want to see my kid pics, I'm sure. Um, or, uh, or Instagram is Ryan underscore Stramroot. That's S-T-R-A-M-R-O-O-D. Um, we, we post all the news there and, and some, some cool pics, the relevant pics anyway, not kiddies. Um <laughs> So, yeah, thank, thank you so much for, for listening. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye.